it's just, just stay in business, just keep going and just keep doing what you're doing and do it well and do it with respect for others. And then people will make note of that and they'll start to, you know, if there's somebody that has a bias against women, well, maybe, you know, you just being in business and then being there is going to chip away at their bias. And, and sooner or later, maybe they won't have that anymore. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I'm excited to share our conversation with a pioneer of the pet CBD industry. Juliana Carella started her cannabis business, Auntie Dolores, making gourmet and healthy edibles for people. Her customers loved what she was doing and asked if she could create a safe, THC-free version for their pets. And in 2013, Treatables was created. For the past 13 or so years, Juliana and her team have been growing both businesses, despite the regulatory and legal hurdles they still face. She shares what it's been like to keep pursuing her dreams despite these challenges, in particular as a woman in two male-dominated fields, cannabis and the pet space. Of course, talking about CBD and the many benefits, we couldn't help chatting about my dog, Bert, and his epilepsy. I recently started adding CBD oil to his routine in addition to his prescribed phenobarbital. One of the things that holds myself and others back from giving their pets CBD is the lack of medical research studies in pets. Juliana agreed that the research needs to catch up to the benefits and demand for CBD in order to make it more widely accepted and available. I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. Please take a screenshot or snap a selfie while you're listening and share it on your Instagram stories tagging me at wear, wag, repeat. The embodiment of a successful serial entrepreneur, Juliana Carella is a trailblazer, fearless, focused, driven, and always ahead of the competition. Her story is noteworthy in that she's built one of the world's first medical cannabis brands and since 2018 has created not one, but two multi-million dollar enterprises, Auntie Dolores and Treatables. These brands are dramatically altering the quality of life for health-conscious consumers and their pets by both providing broad access to safe alternatives and educating the public on the therapeutic value of cannabis and hemp. Welcome, Juliana. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, This is such a hot topic. Um, You've been doing this for a long time, so probably you're like, it's not a trend. (laughs) You know, this is what I do. It's here to stay. Um, But I think people have so many questions still. So I'm really excited to have you have you on here. Um, Would you mind kind of taking us back in time and sharing how you even got into the cannabis industry? Um, Well, that was like, what, 12 or 13 years ago? Yeah, you know, we actually started back in 2008 in San Francisco, which is the birthplace of medical cannabis. It's actually the first city in the whole country that, you know, had, um, you know, legal use of cannabis and uh, some pretty strict 
rules around, you know, how those products could be made and distributed. And a lot of those rules have actually changed since then. So, um, but we got our start back then and it was long before we were even familiar with CBD. Actually, we were really focused on THC products. We were making uh, products for humans. Um, and our specialty at that time was gourmet edibles um, that were healthier than, than some of the other choices available. We really focused on sugar-free and gluten-free and different options for people that were interested in consuming cannabis in an edible format, but they also wanted to take the healthy approach. But what ended up happening, which was totally by surprise to us, about five years after we started that company in 2008, we started just getting questions. Can I give these products to my pets at home? And of course, knowing what we know about THC toxicity and, and pets being so much more sensitive than humans, um, it certainly sparked our interest, but it also made us feel like we needed to develop something with caution and, and make sure we were doing it right. So we started to plant CBD-rich um, cannabis strains up in Mendocino County, where we were actually cultivating our THC strains. Um, this is long before hemp became, you know, the source for CBD. So this is really going way back. Um, but we started to just extract the oil and, and produce these products for pets um, and distribute them to the dispensaries that we were already working with um, that were carrying the human products. And so it was, it was a nice platform to test out these products on pets um, with people that were, you know, open-minded enough to consider giving a cannabis product to their pets, you know, because I know it's a, it's very common now. There's so many brands and, and, and so much um, education out there. People are really so much more informed now, but if you can imagine what it was like, you know, 12, 13 years ago, people didn't know anything about CBD and they certainly didn't know much about how to treat animals with it. So uh, we got to be the first on the scene to make those products and, and then really watch how the industry has unfolded since then. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of a snapshot. Um, but timeline, timeline wise, 2008 is when Auntie Dolores was started. That's the parent company that that made the human THC products. And then Treatables was actually founded in 2013. That's really interesting how it just kind of came about organically with customers asking you and it's, um, you know, they felt the benefits for themselves and wanted to kind of help treat their dogs. Like, now we know about all the different usages for CBD for pets, but what was the main usage that people were interested in back then when you started? Like That's the, a great question, actually. Like, like anti-inflammatory or anxiety, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's actually those two things. Um, and those are still the, the two main reasons people turn to hemp and cannabis products for their pets. But I think that was certainly the main reason. And, and even more so on the anxiety side, simply because there's not a lot out there that addresses pet anxiety as well as CBD does. Um, you know, and, and I could say the same thing about joint inflammation as well, but there are other um, drugs and, and pharmaceutical means to address that problem. Whereas with anxiety, it's really hard for parents to address that uh, without CBD. And now it's so much a part of our culture that you know, we don't think twice about it. Um, I, I often think that, you know, pets in general are just the whole population of pets has become a lot less anxious thanks to this influx of CBD products into the market, you know, so it's, it's a good thing. 
Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to me because um, I know, you know, I've done so much research for this for blog posts and for my own dogs. I have Labradors. And so I'm always interested in the anti-inflammatory part of it. You know, my old dog, just seeing her get old, like years ago before this was really as readily available, I always wondered, oh, I wonder what would have happened to her if we'd had CBD then um, and if she would have lasted longer, been more comfortable. Or So that's kind of why I use it with my dogs now because I want them to be, you know, mobile and and healthy as long as possible because I saw my old dog suffer. Um, but you're, but there are, CBD is marketed so much as like an anti-anxiety treatment for dogs. And I wonder what you think of, like, I feel like some people who could benefit from the anti-inflammatory miss out because products are so heavily marketed as anti-anxiety. What do you think about mm, that? That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny with CBD and with all phytocannabinoids. I mean, they really address the whole pet, right? Yeah. Just whoever takes CBD, whether it's a pet or a person or, you know, a giraffe, whatever, there's going to be multiple benefits experienced because that's just how the endocannabinoid system works when it comes in contact with these phytocannabinoids. And we hear that a lot, uh, you know, pet parents will seek out the product for something specific like the joint inflammation or the anxiety. And then they see all these other issues that the pet had start to become ameliorated by the product as well. And they hadn't really given it much thought. Uh, but I do see a lot of companies marketing the CBD products specifically for anxiety or specifically for one condition or another. But, but the reality is that when you give these products to pets, you're going to see multiple things become ameliorated by right. the product because it's just how our, our systems works It's how our pet systems work. And it's a holistic product. Um, through and through. I mean, it, it truly is a holistic product that addresses pets' health problems in a holistic way, and, and treats and the, the body whole system of, right. And the body kind of knows what to do with it once it's in there, um, and, mm -hmm. and sends it to where it needs it the most. Is that accurate? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could essentially give. Let's just say you had. I don't know how many labs you have, but let's just say you had five labs at home. Right? I wish I had five. <laughs> <laughs> they could all be the same weight. Let's just say they're 80 pounds each. They all might need a different dosage and they all might have different things going on, but you're going to see amelioration on, on all the levels as long as the condition they have is something that can be addressed. Now, we know there's a long list of conditions that can be addressed with full spectrum CBD products. Uh, but you're right. Every animal is going to experience it a little di differently depending on what's what's going on with that animal. Yeah. And that, that's the fascinating thing about this. I mean, you could give it to any animal and they're going to just feel better no matter what they're going through. Yeah, it is so fascinating. The more research I do, it's just like amazing. Um, well, okay. So, so shifting gears a little bit, because I do want to talk about like business side of stuff. Um, I would imagine that this industry, you know, cannabis and hemp and CBD is pretty male dominated. Um, so as a woman and a woman owned business and woman founded business, what kind of challenges have you had to face and maybe overcome in this space? Yeah, that's a great question. And I probably have to break the answer into two parts because, you know, we're definitely 
you know, heavily involved in the cannabis and hemp space, but we're also heavily involved in the pet space. And those two industries are actually pretty different. They're both male dominated though. And so um, in the cannabis space, you know, starting a business back in 2008, I didn't experience a ton of discrimination as a founder and and a CEO. Um, But, you know, ever since I started this company, and I don't know why this is, but um, so many different people come to the hemp and cannabis space to find employment. And so, you know, we've we've had a lot of um, interesting folks on staff over the years, but we've predominantly been a women uh, run company. I mean, since since the get go. Um, so I've always heard stories from women that have worked with me over the years, um, women from the pet industry and women from the cannabis industry, um, that have, you know, shared some, you know, pretty unsavory stories with me about discrimination that they've experienced. Um, for me, you know, I, I do deal with it day in and day out, depending on different people that we're dealing with. A lot of times, uh, I'll just give you a good example. You know, um, somebody that works really closely with me, who's the president of our company, is is a male. He's one of the only males at our company. But like, we'll go into the bank together, for instance, to go speak to the banker, and you know, the banker will immediately assume he's the CEO of the company, and 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 not me because I'm the woman. So how could I be the CEO? It's a subconscious thing that people do. They don't even realize they're doing it, and it's not only coming from just men. By the way, sometimes we get the same kind of treatment from women that we work with, whether they be, you know, vendors or suppliers or what have you. So it's it, it's much more subtle and um, subconscious, I think, than than most people may realize. And so my experience has been a little bit more on, on that side of things. It's been a little bit more subtle than just straight up, you know, misogyny or mm-hmm. um, sexism or that kind of thing. Yeah. It's something that you, you might not even notice. You might've been subjected to your whole life and you don't really notice until you become aware about it. Um, so with that, with that kind of um, un- unconscious bias in mind. Do you have any advice for other women who are trying to build a brand like, like you've built multi-million dollar brands in the pet space and the hemp hemp or cannabis space? What kind of advice do you have for women who are trying to to have that kind of growth? Just don't take anything personally. I mean, you're always going to deal with jerks out there, you know, whether it's because you're a woman or whether it's because you're a founder and you thought up a great idea before everybody else, or whether it's, you know, because you wear pink. I mean, it's, it's so arbitrary, but there's so many challenges in business as it is that you just can't get slowed down uh, by that kind of uh, mentality coming from other people. I mean, you just, and you can't take anything personally. I mean, if I, if I were to like get my feelings hurt every time, you know, I dealt with somebody in business that rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I wouldn't be here right now. Cause I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, just in business in general, you have to deal with a lot of people that you may not even like. I mean, that's just the reality of it, but it takes a certain type of uh, maturity, I think, to get past any type of personality differences or, you know, anything that might be offensive or whatever. It's just, you just got to keep, keep moving and not let it slow you down. I guess that would be my advice. Don't take it personally. 
it's just, it is what it is. And a lot of times people just do it subconsciously. They don't realize mm-hmm. they're being jerks when they're assuming, you know, certain things about you because you're a woman or whatever that might be. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I think a lot of times people um, do take things so personally, or they're just so, so worried about how others are going to judge them. And I'm always like, people aren't really judging you. Like they're so worried about themselves. They're so worried that everyone's judging them (laughs) that like, you know, it just, let's all mind our own business and (laughs) do our own thing, I think. And also, you know, sometimes I think we underestimate how much influence we have over others and, and how, you know, just our actions and just being in business and being, you know, strong women in business and, and carrying out successful businesses. I mean, just being that example, it is a way of, of educating other people and, and, and they take note of it, you know, and, and you might even change their mind about uh, what their belief system is around, you know, what a woman's ability is in terms of uh, running a business and so forth. So, you know, I think it's a, it's an opportunity to help shift the paradigm actually yeah. it's just just stay in business just keep going and just keep doing what you're doing and do it well and do it with respect for others and then people will make note of that and they'll start to you know if there's somebody that has a bias against women well maybe you know you just being in business and then being there is going to chip away at their bias and and sooner or later maybe they won't have that anymore yeah and i think that's how things change it's 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 more of a subtle change that happens and you know to show up and that change will actually start to take place. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I just doing what we're doing is an act of resistance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I want to ask another question that I'm just so curious, you know, in your industry, all you hear about in the news is, you know, regulations and this has been legalized and this is illegal and da, 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 da. So like, how has that, how has that impacted the growth of your business? And has that, has that really made it hard to grow? Like, let's look at treatables, for instance, within the pet space, has that really hindered you or does it not, is it kind of all news and it's fake news? (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's all news, but you just have to understand too. I mean, we got our start in 2008 when there was like very obscure, loose laws around cannabis. So being involved in a a nascent industry that has a long way to go towards regulatory compliance that everybody can follow. I mean, that's, that's nothing difficult for us. That's what we've always done. We've, we've um, become very comfortable being first movers, but being first movers in a space like this means you have to be comfortable with a picture changing over time. And you have to be comfortable with a lack of clarity around compliance and regulatory um, issues because they're ever-changing and they're immature to begin with. Like they need to be developed and um, made better over time. And again, just being in business and being here and pushing through those challenges is actually what helps move the needle that creates the change that's necessary for the industry. So, I mean, we are really proud to be first movers and also to be um, some of the first to actually open up those doors for everybody else to, to come in and do business as well. Cause we had to knock down a lot of doors to get to where we are now, but we also had to uh, knock down a lot of doors to open up the opportunity for everybody. 
Um, so when, when people ask, like, does it hinder you? Yes, that's all it does is hinder us. But that's the whole point of it. We are two steps forward, one step back all day long for the last mm-hmm. 13 years. That's how it's always been. And the pet industry is no different, really. I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same. It's two steps forward, one step back. Um, and we look forward to the day when there's like full clarity around regulatory compliance and everybody's following the same rules. But honestly, I, I don't really see that in sight anytime soon. And that's okay. Yeah. Because again, we're used to that. We are, that's, that's part of our DNA actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. What would you even do <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if all the laws were like perfect in your dream scenario, you'd probably be bored. <laughs> well, I always tell people, you know what, I, any other business I start going forward in any other industry will be like a cakewalk because if you can like have a successful business in cannabis and hemp, I mean, it's, you can do anything because there's, there's just no other industry right now that has as many challenges as this one does. Oh yeah. I can imagine. So, so I love asking this question is that what do you wish that you knew when you were first starting that, you know, now. I wish I knew that it was going to take more than a decade for full legalization. I mean, we kind of thought back in 2008 and, you know, even in, into 2010 and 11, it was just going to be a few more years before they take cannabis off of the schedule one narcotic status and, you know, deschedule it. And and that still hasn't happened. And then meanwhile, we certainly didn't anticipate the changes that have happened with hemp because hemp becoming legal through the farm bill of 2014 and then further clarity on the 2018 farm bill, that was also something that we wish we had known early on because it, it just, it totally changed the um, whole landscape of the industry in a good way, but it would have been nice to know a couple of years earlier that the changes that took place were going to take place because it might've helped our strategy a little bit better. I mean, this industry is much to, to strategize years in advance in this industry is, is almost impossible. You really have to be nimble and quick on your feet and able to adapt when a change takes place like today, which happens all the time. So sorry right. if I got off yeah. a little topic there on that. No, answer, they but it, yeah. nobody gives you a, like a heads up that a law is going to change or pass or not. Pass. Like you don't get any heads up. So you really don't know until it happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of curveballs involved. You gotta well, be quick on your feet. The, like the trend the, or the, like the, the keyword of the last year I think has been pivot because of COVID and everyone just, um, have having to kind of think on their feet and you can't plan, you can't plan two years out, you know, like people who would plan a conference a year in advance, you can't even do that now. Um, so it, it is, you know, you, you, again, were, I forget the term that you use, but like you're ahead of the game. Um, first yeah. Yeah. A first mover in pivoting as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, the challenges, um, with COVID have been, I'm not going to downplay them and say they weren't challenging, but all the pivots and adaptations we had to make were, are really reminiscent of the way we've had to be all along. So it wasn't too difficult for us to, you know, get into action on certain things that we needed to change immediately. And then our business has gone through immense change in the last year, but really it 
it's not that much different than any other year and all the other changes that we've been through. Yeah. Uncertainty is like the norm (laughs) for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like I, I always say that, you know, business in the cannabis space is like, it's kind of like extreme business, you know, like you have to like adhere to these extreme requirements and then you have to take extreme action. I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's really a something. And so I think the last year has been like that for any business person, whether they're in the cannabis space or not. But for us, it's just more of the same having to adapt and having to be quick on our feet and pivoting when needed. And there's always choices to make, you know, lots of choices to make day in and day out. And, you know, yeah, hoping to always make the best decision in that moment, you know, is it kind of becomes an art in itself. <laughs> I know. Well, you just got to do your best. Um, well, so before, right before we hit record, you were telling me about um, your new puppy. So speaking of unexpected and, and new things, <laughs> yeah. puppies bring a lot of the unexpected. So um, tell us about your new dog, Delilah, and kind of um, how she came into your life and, and what she's been teaching you. Ah, she's an amazing dog. She's a blue healer, really cute little girl. She's about 30 pounds. I actually adopted her from the Nashville Humane about five months ago. And she is a puppy that came from Mississippi. She was actually a homeless puppy. So she's definitely got a little bit of a history there, but um, I think she's about 14, 15 months old now. We don't know for sure. Um, I've had really a ton of fun working with her with our products because like I mentioned before, you know, we're so used to working with elder pets that need our product. We don't really get the opportunity to see the product in action with puppies and kittens and stuff. And so I couldn't wait to just start giving her the product. I actually started giving her the product in the parking lot at Nashville Humane before she even got in my car to take her home. Cause I was like, <laughs> I don't want this dog to have any separation anxiety at all. And I'm like going to make sure that she's good to go. And that she, you know, I really think that giving these products to young animals is a way of, you know, increasing their lifespan, um, certainly, you know, improving their longevity and improving their quality of life. Even as a puppy, you can start addressing some of that stuff, especially with these breed specific conditions, you know, your dog's going to end up with hip dysplasia because of the breed they are, go ahead and start giving them CBD when they're a puppy and you probably won't have that problem. Yeah. But with, with something like separation anxiety, which is very typical for a puppy, I got to see the product work right away. And I've really noticed amazing results. I mean, I've actually never witnessed my dog have separation anxiety. It's just never happened. And I think it's because she's been on CBD every single day since I got her since the moment you met her. Um, Yeah. She's never torn up a piece of furniture. She's never, I mean, she still has a lot of energy and sometimes that puppy energy can be mistaken for anxiety because it's so intense. But, you know, when you start giving the CBD to an animal like that, then you start to see, okay, this is just straight up puppy energy. This is an anxiety, but this is an energetic dog. And we don't want to do anything with that. That's like what dogs are supposed to be, right? Puppies are supposed to be energetic. So we don't want to give them something that's just going to like conk them out. Right. But what it does is it takes that edge off of anything that might cause anxiety for her, whether that's me leaving or somebody coming to the door or whatever it is. She just doesn't have that anxious issue that, that a lot of puppies have. 
And so it's been really fun to see the products work that way. So do you have a favorite product? Cause I know your product line, you've got a variety of things. Is there, is there a favorite that you've been giving Delilah or that you just gravitate towards? You know, she loves all of our products and I give them all to her because I like to vary the approach. I mean, I think animals get tired of any one thing that's given to them, you know, continuously. So I actually purposefully will change the products out. I mean, I'm always hitting about a 20 milligram dose for her because that seems to be kind of the sweet spot for her. She gets about two to three doses a day and I might switch it up. Like I'll give her the oil in the morning and her food. And then in the afternoon, I might give her a few of the dog chews and then she'll get another dose at night in her food. And that's, that's kind of how I manage it. It basically keeps her system full of CBD, like throughout the whole day and just enough to, you know, take that edge off. Mm -hmm. It keeps her like like I said, I do even Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah, I know yeah. my my one dog Bert. Um, he has epilepsy, and so he takes mm-hmm. um, phenobarbital for that. But this is my first experience with a dog with who needed medication like that. And when I first yeah. adopted him, they um, were like, "He's got to take this medication twice a day." I'm like, "Oh, that's no big deal. I'll give it to him twice a day, whatever." And then after we got home, I found out it had to be like exactly 12 hours apart because it needed to be consistent, like even. Mm. in his bloodstream. So it couldn't be like, you know, if you did breakfast at 7 a.m. and dinner at 5 p.m., you'd like mm. really mess it up. So um, mm. I've learned a lot about <laughs> keeping like a consistent level of whatever it is in their bloodstream it just like can make such a difference. Have you tried any CBD products for the epilepsy? So we just, for that. we just started. Um the problem is, and like, you're probably so familiar with this. It's just that vets are so hesitant, you know, I'm at least in Pennsylvania where I am so hesitant to recommend anything if they don't feel, feel like it's, um, regulated or authorized. I think some of them are worried about getting their license revoked, you know, if they recommend CBD. Um, so we just had a vet authorized that it would be okay. Um, cause prior to that, I, you know, I had another vet who was like, well, we don't know if it, if the CBD would interact negatively or positively with the phenobarbital and we just don't know. So like, just don't do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's part of the hard part as like a, yeah. as a pet parent. Um, you can do all the research. I can do all the research I want myself, but then like your vet who you trust, has like red tape over their mouth and they can't say anything. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And that's, that's a great analogy. Actually, that's exactly what's happening. They do have red tape over their mouths because they were all threatened, you know, a couple of years back um, vets across the country got letters from the um, authorities to not discuss CBD. So sounds like um, handmaid's tale, like the authority yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much what it is. Um, there are some holistic vets out there that will prescribe uh, CBD and, and other phytocannabinoids as well, but they do, you know, they tend to be the, um, I call them pioneer veterinarians because they're willing to, you know, go out on a limb and like Dr. Gary Richter is a great example, example, um, Dr. Rob Silver. So there's, there are some out there that, that you could turn to for help. But I can also tell you that we've had hundreds of cases of dogs, the canine um, 
seizures of all kinds, epilepsy, all different kinds of epilepsy with, with great success with our product. And you can use it with phenobarbital. Um, the nice thing about CBD is you can use it with almost every single pharmaceutical drug out there. And it's a great way to actually um, use the two together in conjunction and, and possibly even lean off of the pheno. So yeah. I'll just throw that out there and I'm happy to provide more details offline if you'd like. Yeah, no, I, I would love that. We're, um, we're five days in to giving them together. Um, okay. my other dog, Good. she's been taking CBD. Can like, I started, I started giving her CBD probably three years ago, but can, she's had it consistently for like the last year or so. Um, and I was like really motivated cause I started, she's getting they're nine and she started to get those, um, little lymphomas mm. and fatty masses around. And, mm. um, I had seen that CBD might be able to kind of reduce those or stop them from growing or slow them down or something like that. So, um, that's, you know, it's hard to say, <laughs> it's hard to say if it's working because every, yeah. every night I'm like measuring her lipomas. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, just with my fingers, but yeah, you know, we like worry so much as they age and want to do yep. everything. And so, Yeah. Yeah. An interesting little side note about conditions like epilepsy. And you know, we've had, like I said, hundreds of cases of um, animals that have had great success with our product um, with controlling seizures. And unfortunately, those reviews that come in, we often cannot post them on our website for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. You know, if a, if a person writes a review that says treatables cured my dog's epilepsy, we can't even post that review because the FDA would not be happy with that. Right. Um, if we get yeah, the you customer can't make, to you're rewrite. You're legally not allowed to make any claims like that. Exactly. Yeah. Even though, even if they're true, we still can't say it. We, mm -hmm. we can say things like treatables helps my dog's seizures, but we can't use terms like cure or epilepsy. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a frustrating issue for us not being able to share the success, but, um, I think people, you know, they figure it out sooner or later. I mean, the FDA did approve Epidiolex, which is epilepsy medicine for children made mm -hmm. from CBD. So it's mm -hmm. isolated CBD. It's not going to be a full spectrum, uh, hemp product like what we make. Uh, so it's, going to have different benefits, but it's just, I'm just highlighting the fact that, you know, there has been a CBD medicine that's gone through the FDA trials and has become a true pharmaceutical grade product. Um, and it's totally legal. Um, yeah. so that's good information for anybody who's treating anybody, whether it's a pet or a human, uh, with epilepsy. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, like you said earlier, you never knew how long this was going to take <laughs> to grow this and all of the hurdles. So I think we just have to keep doing what we're doing and just be patient for more information and to come out and laws to change and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we actually need research to catch up with mm -hmm. like what we know about cannabis and hemp. Now, what we know, um, in more of an empirical way by seeing with our own eyes from our pets and our children and our spouses and the, the benefits that they all get from it. Now we just need for the research to catch up to that. Yes. So that yeah. we can square this off once and for all, you know, I mean, that's really the issue is you've got, um, such incredible results and yet we don't have the research to 
back it up. And that deters a lot of the regulators from actually putting that stamp of approval on CBD products. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Juliana, it's been so great talking to you. I, we have to end our interview because this is how long the episode is. Um, no so, so, uh, if you could tell everyone where they can learn more about you and treatables and, um, look into CBD for their pet, maybe, um, tell us where they can find you online. Absolutely. So you can reach us at treatables.com and I'll spell it for you. It's T R E A T I B L E S. Uh, we're also on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, all of those social media, YouTube, um, human products are auntiedolores.com. You can find out a lot about pets on that website as well. Um, and that's also all over social media, same, same, uh, social media as treatables. So awesome. Check us out there. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of your, um, vast expertise today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.